We crave to be seen. We crave to be heard. So one of the fundamental parts of being a human, something that we all share this need, this craving to be acknowledged. And it's no different in our business as well. Sometimes there can be nothing more frustrating than screaming at the top of your lungs and feeling like absolutely nobody knows that you even exist, let alone wants to buy or engage in your product or service. So today we're going to talk about all things marketing. I've got a good friend and mentor of mine on the show. His name's Jaden Gardner. I met Jaden a few years ago now when I joined a business mastermind group. And Jaden was one of the first people to really introduce me to the concept of sales and marketing. It kicked off a journey, a friendship that has continued since then. And we still catch up every month or two on a call just to chat. We talk about what we see working. We talk about what we see not working. We talk about the industry at large. And there's always a lot of value. And it's always really cool for me to hear what Jaden's up to, to learn from him and to just basically, you know, talk, throw ideas around and and innovate and ideate and kind of share that time with him. So Jane's on the episode today. I'm not going to run this intro too long. Let's get stuck into it. It's a slightly longer episode. If you're in small business, you're thinking about your marketing, you're possibly thinking about some paid ads, this could be hyper relevant for you. Jaden has more experience than probably anyone else that I really know personally. Uh, He's been in the trenches for a long time and he's seen a lot of different stuff. Tune in. I hope you enjoy it. This is John Marsh. You're listening to episode 59 of the Access Potential Podcast. All right, we're sitting down, we're at episode 59, I think, and this is going to be pretty cool. I'm sitting down with my friend uh, who's also been my mentor and someone who I've looked up to for, it's been probably three years now, his name's Jaden Gardner. We're hooking up on a Skype, on a Zoom episode, this one, uh, and it's going to be interesting where we go. I'm excited to talk to Jaden about uh, all things marketing and what he sees in the landscape and really just to flesh out some of his experiences, I guess, for quick context. Uh, if you're listening, um, Jaden came into my life as part of a business mastermind that you, if you've been a listener to the podcast, you'd have heard come up a few times uh, called Alchemy. So Jaden and Drew uh, were kind of the two people who I worked most closely with in that, um, in that, in that business development group. And we got a ton of value straight away. I think inside of the first three or four months, it had flipped my world upside down. And uh, I was in there for a whole year and got a ton of great takeaways. And it's directly influenced my work today that I do. So a lot of, you know, the way I think and um, the way that I was able to level up through that program was, you know, long lasting and super powerful. So Jane, thanks so much for carving out the time and uh, joining us from down there in are you in Cronulla today or? Yeah, down in Cronulla. Um, rainy Cronulla. It's, um, it's pretty crazy down here at the moment. But yeah, no, that was an awesome intro. Yeah, we've been known each other for three years now, but also like the roles reverse as well, which is a cool thing about our relationship. You know, I was mentoring you with your business for a while and then I was probably one of the first to kind of go through a watered down version of APA, which was really cool to kind of get both the student and the, teacher kind of side of both relationships so cool it's been a good journey 
Yeah, what, what I love, you know, I was thinking about this last night when I texted you. So if you're listening, basically, this is sometimes how it goes with me and the podcast. Uh, undoubtedly, the person on the other end is doing their thing. They're at the gym or they're having dinner and they just get a message. Do they want to jump on a <laughs> podcast now, <laughs> like today or that evening or whatever? And because I get excited, right? And so I was thinking about the conversation. And it's funny because I think we've got like completely completely different backgrounds, completely different upbringings, completely different job histories, really like we, we pretty much came from two separate parts of the world and Definitely. we have these conversations where whether it's business, maybe that's what we dive into a little bit today, but you know, around it, all things really mindset, spirituality. And it's been really cool to have you there as someone who, um, even when things are sticky for me or when something's up, like I think of someone who would be great to talk to, you know? And so I think it's really cool that despite, or no, you know, um, with such diversity and different sort of backgrounds and, you know, histories, we can connect uh, so well on different things. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited, man. Thanks again. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, it's cool. <clears throat> I was thinking about this last time as well, cause I was just trying to track back our whole history and it's, Funny, you were the first person that I ever had a direct first kind of sales call with. And I remember it down when I was in Melbourne at the Melbourne event. Yeah, I remember It's really that. weird how this has kind of all come. This would normally be like a conversation that Drew had started. And it's funny that, you know, my first point of call was, you know, me with you. And then that's kind of, you know, been the whole kind of track of the, the whole way through the relationship. So, yeah, cool. it's funny. Let's um let's dive in and you know we can go we can take this kind of wherever you like. Um I I tend to love to kind of flesh out story a little bit and mm-hmm. just find out a little bit about how you came to be where you are. Um you know we met kind of I guess in the thick of uh you know, the coaching and the, and a lot of marketing and sales, you mentioned sales, like my first experience really of, uh, the, the alchemy sort of banner for me was just on a heated sales call with Drew, <laughs> you know, and I'm yeah. very thankful for that. I ended up joining the program, but take us back, like whatever pops up for you, um, how you got into that, you know, how you got into what you're doing now and your, and your background, uh, just to get us up to speed, I guess. Yeah, for sure. So my kind of background into alchemy, I don't know if many people really knew this was. So I met um, Drew and his brother, Ben, uh, I would say probably five or six years ago um, from, I was getting back into handstands of all things. And those guys were running a program called Primal Sydney and um, through, you know, looking for handstand guidance, I came across them. Long story short, I ended up doing like a personal development program with Drew called A Life Worth Living. Um, so like a deep kind of mindset, life kind of mentorship program, which he took a lot of people through at that time, which was really cool. And as I was doing that, I was a personal trainer. Um, so I was doing, I've done a lot of jobs in my past, but at that time I was a personal trainer. And you know what, like I was enjoying it and, um, you know, good money, all that kind of stuff. And when we went from a life worth living, which was a program that Drew had, he come to me and said, I'm about to start this thing called Alchemy. Um, and so from the get-go, I signed up to that um, in the kind of high-tier program that he'd created, 
which was really cool. And as we kind of went through the year together, I started to realize and being involved with so many amazing PTs and gym owners that I would never be as passionate about being a physical coach. Um, so it really got me thinking a lot, like I'm never going to be as passionate as these people that I'm surrounded with. And on the flip side of that, I was getting really into the marketing and sales and kind of the business side um, of the gym that I was running at the time. So that's kind of how it all started to fold out. And then I remember just creating like a really good relationship with Drew. And over time, I kind of said to him, um, you know, I was doing crazy hours, probably like 10 hour days at the gym. And then in those breaks would drive over to King's Cross and just like intern as Alchemy was growing for a long time, which basically led to, I think it was 2018. Um, we had a conversation it was like, cool, let's actually lean into this. And that's kind of really where I kind of stepped into that role. Yeah. Okay. Cause that was pretty much when we, when we came across, it's interesting, you know, that takes me back. There were times when I had the gym down in Melbourne and um, you know, I work with a lot of people in the, in the health fitness wellness space as well. And, you know, you mentioned these long days and um I remember the same. I remember a lot of like 10 to 13 hour days, plus you're running the business as well. Um, yeah. How, you know, I, I think, and I think a lot of people listening can resonate with this too, especially if you're owning or if you're kind of there where you're, you're basically, you know, after you break down all the hours, a lot of times it's less, you know, it's, it's basically less incentive than for a lot of the people who are working for you. Um, it can create a bit of distance, a little bit of tension just cause it can be so much work and not all the time as well, of course. And there's a lot of opportunity, but when you, when you, you know, shifted across, when you look towards, um, moving into the business space and into the coaching, did, was that weighing on you? Was there a, was there a move away from pain as well? Was it like a heavy feeling from all of that load or was it merely just seeing the passion of the others who you were around and kind of looking forward? Yeah, it was, it was definitely a combo of both because I was completely burnt out by the end. So I was the only trainer in this gym by the end of it. And we, you know, probably had a hundred clients plus I was running PT. So I did, I did every single group session plus PTs in that whole gym. And that was, you know, Monday through to Saturday Arvos. And by the end of it, I was just, I was nearly sick. I was just in that kind of place where I, I would have somewhat PTSD from my alarm going off. Cause I'm like, Oh, I'm back. Like, I'm back again because it would be yeah. either, you know, 4am in the morning or, that one hour break that you get in a day and you'll set an alarm for, you know, half an hour. So yeah, definitely it was a pain of that thing of going, this is amazing money for like how old I was, but on the counter of that, like I'm just running myself dry. So there was that element of pain, but there was also a lot of like inspiration from seeing where Drew had come from and, you know, someone who I'd always looked up to and been part of, you know, the second person within that company. And, I've always been a creative person. Um, So I feel like I was kind of limited in PT in a sense of my creative side and and using my brain a little bit more would go a lot better in something like the alchemy role. Tell us, tell us, I guess about your, your, your main passion, your main role, the main change that you were able to make at alchemy. Um, Obviously I've, I've got some experience working with you, but like, 
what was your, if you look back and, and it may not have been that what you spent the most time on or whatever, but like what most excited you about that? What work, you know, were you most proud of? What did you kind of do in there yeah. to help these um, gym owners mostly? Yeah, it's interesting because I was having a chat with Vic Hawksley the other day about this as well. And it's like, I started that job as a salesperson mm-hmm. and I fucking hated it. Like I remember dragging myself every day in the King's Cross and being myself and Drew just cold calling, basically. Not cold calling, we'll get late, so somewhat warm people all day. I was like, I'm not a salesperson. I really believe you're either like skewed really towards sales or a marketer. Mm. And I found out quickly that, you know, ringing 150 people in a day and getting told to fuck off, you know, 20% of your day Mm. in the first minute isn't what I really, you know, want to be doing. So that made me fall more into a marketing and kind of a mentor role, which I think some of my passion and my favorite things that I was doing in that was just kind of being a bit of a guide for the incubator. Like I definitely never put my hand up and was like, I'm the person that gets these results. It's more like kind of steering and being the vessel for a lot of the things that we would create in there in terms of campaigns, bigger things, retreats. That was the kind of stuff that really, you know, got me fired up. Mm -hmm. Kind of on the idea generation side, like the concept sort of phase, like early on in, in a new project. Yeah, exactly. And just helping people like allow themselves to be creative as well and you know think about a new program or something that they're going to launch i always found that was you know a really cool thing plus you know the kind of technical skills which i feel like i had a lot of value in is like the copywriting and all that kind of stuff so getting someone to send me something and be able to review it and be like hey john you know either that's rubbish or that's awesome i feel like that's always a really cool empowering thing especially when it pulls off yeah so this if you're listening effectively what what i got out of this experience we were on the other side and we were early pretty early in our gym ownership days myself and my sister in melbourne and what we really got out of the relationship i think more than anything was and of course this never ends but this uh understanding or realization of what we just didn't know and what we weren't doing. Jaden mentioned sales calls there. You know, he was throwing around numbers like 150 a day off of these leads. Uh, And it was just this contrast where, you know, prior to Alchemy, I was probably doing zero sales calls and we were just waiting for sales and thinking that if we had a good product, people would come through the door, very little marketing, very little real, understanding of what it took to be in a business on that sales and marketing front. Our retention was really, really good, but we just didn't, we just didn't get it at all. And so there was this huge transformation and mentioned copywriting and, um, and, and a few other things as well. And there's this huge shift where I think those were the early seeds for looking at developing a certain view around this idea of, the audience around the people that you want to serve around, um, around moving into Facebook ads as well. That's probably a, a thing that was completely new to me. Let's talk a little bit about this concept. Let's throw it as, um, you know, now I kind of call it communication or marketing or whatever. Let's yep. 
back to that stage and let's bundle, you know, I know we can't probably generalize too much, but let's bundle up the businesses you're working with. Let's talk about this flip that I went through in terms of understanding kind of what marketing was or the glimpse that I got of it back then. What was, um, you know, what was some of the landscape like? What were you seeing happening either on the alchemy side or with the clients on the gym side? Uh, social media, you know, email, what was sort of the, what was the, what was the basics there? What was the foundation? What was going on? This was, you know, 2014, 15, 16, up to 2018, obviously when you were in there as well. Yeah, it was, it was such an interesting time for us because, you know, to be completely transparent, there was a time in early 2018 where lead ads, which we were using for the majority of our marketing just tanked. And it really threw us out to the point where we're sitting there and we're going, these, these leads are costing our clients so much money and they're not making sales and we're going to be on the chopping board if this doesn't change. And that's kind of always a scary thing with what happens in digital marketing. And so I remember we'll sit in there one day and we'll have a meeting and we heard about this thing called ManyChat, which was like a, a bot messenger service, right? And it was super, super fresh. Um, you know, there was only one person that we really knew over in the US who was teaching it. And we kind of sat there one day and we're like, we have to lean into this and give this a try. Otherwise, we're going to fold. We can't keep flogging the dead horse here with the lead ads and whatnot. Um, fortunately for us, that really just flipped Alchemy and a lot of the gym's businesses overnight um, in a sense that we were kind of cheating the system in Facebook because of the algorithms and, and what was going on. It was taking lead costs from, you know, $15, $20 down to like 50 cents sometimes. Talk, um, break, that, break that down real quick. Um, yep. I just want to make sure, I think most people listening will be familiar with the concept. Um, effectively, you know, lead ad, mini chat, just maybe break down a couple of things. You know, we're talking sort of direct marketing here or... Um, or, you know, yep. running campaigns with a specific call to action to get in touch with the business. Maybe just break it down super simple terms and then we'll have a nice foundation to go forward on, I think. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Um, yeah, so a lot of what we were pushing in the early days was a lot of direct response because um, it wasn't as much of a crowded market space. So we could definitely, like, get you guys to implement stuff where it's like, hey, we're running XYZ. If you're interested, comment something below which would send them through a bit of a sequence and that was working really really well for a long time um but Ups, upside of upside of direct response would be it's basically it could be anything you want me to do in response to the ad which you put into my feed somewhere and the cool thing is you get to see whether it's an email address phone number or whatever you get to see what actually happened exactly based off of the ad because of the response yeah Exactly. Um, which has a pros and cons, like for a lot of people, it's a, you know, a buy or burn. And that's one thing that I didn't like about it, especially on our end when we were trying to, you know, acquire new gyms. It's like that, those sales calls and stuff that would come from a leader be very like client or burn your bridges. Um, so that landscape for a long time was working really well. We could be a bit of an unknown person and say like, hey, buy my stuff. And people were jumping on board because it was fresh, it was new, um, you know, there wasn't much competition. 
but it's really interesting in terms of like the marketing landscape of what was happening was as we started to progress towards um, when we finished up at Alchemy, it was quite awesome to see how much getting back into good content and value was helping businesses grow faster than it was going straight for, I've got the challenge, I've got the thing, here's a discount. You know, we've got some really good examples of people who've done that. I always feel like looking back on it, that was probably some of the best marketing that they did directed from us because everyone would love to put up a video or something about them doing a technique or giving value rather than, oh, shit, here I am again putting myself out there into the world saying, buy my shit, here's a discount, here's a challenge. Yeah, so to be super specific, one example, and we did one, which we ran a, an eight-week challenge, and we were, we were really open to it because we thought, okay, you know, have whatever opinion you want on challenges, all that sort of thing, and there was all this mixed of views back then but we were like look if we get people into the space our service is good they're gonna either like it or not so it'll all work out in the end right and so we weren't really too worried because we figured if they're a buyer or they're interested in what we have it's gonna come through in the end and uh so effectively what was happening is we would you know Jaden mentioned the copy before we would craft out some copy on this challenge targeting a specific type of person in the local area. We'd run the ads uh, in Facebook, uh, specifically Instagram ads back then. I don't even think were possible. Um, nah, they weren't. Was it, it wasn't linked. And so we, and then that we would run a certain piece of creative with it and we would take a picture of, you know, me or a stock photo or whatever and run that against with the same copy to try to, to try to um, almost pattern interrupt the, the reader or the viewer and then kind of get them interested in the thing. So you're looking for a direct sale or a lead into a sale and the challenge based off of one ad. And, you know, it works like our early campaigns worked. We got a few people in and it was, um, you know, it, it, it brought some revenue in for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. And so then, but even by 2018, you were seeing the value. And I remember because I started blogging, uh, mm -hmm. on the workshop page and there's still some long form HD videos that I, I did a whole series of tutorials and stuff back then. And I wasn't running ads on them, but I realized that if we could start to build ourselves as a place that had trust and value and attention on the website, it was going to position us in the local community. And I remember you guys talking about this as well. There was a lot of emphasis on back to the quality and there was some really good blog posts and stuff that were getting shared. Um, I guess maybe talk to us uh, any shifts since then, what, what comes up next for you, either your timeline or, or what you saw or any changes? Yeah, I saw a lot of changes. So, you know, from Alchemy, I, worked with a couple of big companies, you know, the guys that would be spending, you know, I think there was a week one time where I did a hundred K in a week on spent through Facebook, hundred thousand in a week through Facebook. Yeah. And so I, I got thrown in the deep end with a lot of stuff. And what I slowly realized was even looking back at like campaigns from years ago and the companies I was working with is like going straight for direct response. These days is just always, you know, exponentially, going upwards 
um, which got me thinking and like working with other people as well as like, where would I be putting my money if I was spending that these days? Yeah. I really believe that like it's people are too switched on now for like falling into traps. Um, you know, everyone's trying to buy the same space in Facebook to be like, Hey, here's my thing, buy my thing today. And what I'm noticing and the kind of shifts I'm seeing is so many more people are now going towards great storytelling mm. and creating a brand and becoming probably like speaking to your audience a little bit better, which would be small business owners would be, you know, becoming the micro celebrity in your area. Mm. And it's so interesting really because you guys, you guys talked about that in those specific words back then as well. Yeah. And that's what triggered the blog that I remember that's what triggered the long form videos that I started doing was it was become the micro celebrity, be known in your area and, and to be totally, that, that's 100% where I'm all in now. Like that's, that's probably where it first came from. Yeah. And look, it can go towards your area. It can go towards your niche. Yeah. It doesn't, you know, it's whatever you're kind of targeting. You want to get to that point. If you're, you know, especially a face of a business to be the micro celebrity. And I think that comes more from personality through marketing, humor, storytelling, rather than always kind of just going straight for, Hey, here's my thing by my thing, which a lot of people will go towards and trying to back themselves a little bit more and be like, Oh, well, I know I'm good enough. I know my product's good enough. People will buy it if I put it out there, which you know, in the golden ages, probably like 2016, 2017, Facebook, you can get away with that. Um, but definitely not these days in any kind of digital marketing. Yeah. And it's interesting. And I always kind of check myself because I'm sure there's people who are still doing it successfully. Yep. Um, it's just not the area that I go into. So I guess just to back up and reframe it effectively. Now we're talking about two different types two different ways of looking at your marketing or your communications online. And this kind of works offline as well in terms of the, the celebrity. We yep. had the first one that we talked about where effectively we were able to put a certain amount of money through the social platforms, i.e. Facebook, look for a direct response campaign to get leads, even being relatively unknown and having no real, um, you know, content or following or reputation, so to speak, but using a catchy image, catchy uh, copy, and creating enough leads at a cheap enough price to be able to make be profitable. Yep. The other micro celebrity, and correct me if I'm wrong, what we're talking about here, that the difference that pops into my head is reputation. It's like you somehow are creating value, or you're putting energy into creating, um, you know, information, maybe IP entertainment, education, such that your reputation grows over time. And this builds trust. Therefore, when it comes time to create an offer, you have, I guess, a broader top of funnel or natural audience, or if you're doing paid work, when they check behind the scenes to see who you are and what's up, you've got a little bit more clout or a little bit more um, yeah, for sure. brand, brand equity behind. Would that kind of split the two up a little bit? Yeah, yeah. I think that's an awesome example. And I think like, and I could be wrong on these, like a lot of things I, I say, um, take it with a grain of salt. But 
from what I see and I observe a lot of like marketing stuff that's happening at the moment, I feel like the people who are getting the best results are just creating that top of mind stuff and creating a really cool brand, um, you know, whatever it may be that you're selling so that when the person is in a buying mindset, they will come straight to you. And I always feel like, especially in small business, they're probably your best client rather than trying to go for a quick snap in someone's Facebook feed and go for something without being known, like trusted or creating some kind of connection. Yeah, it's interesting. And I've definitely noticed that myself on this, that the sales process has changed considerably um, even, even back at the gym. And that was obviously a small sale into a membership. I think we had a three month minimum or something like that. Uh, but with the lack of, I guess, uh, brand or reputation, whatever you want to call it, following, so to speak, them not knowing you as well or not, not having followed for as long made those sales conversations often a lot more confrontational, even though, so they, even though they still often went through, it was a different, it's a different feeling completely. Yeah, fully. Okay. So, so, so there could, you know, there's no absolutes. It's tricky, but let's talk a little bit about, what could a small business do? And the, the kind of one of the reasons why I'm bringing it up is, um, you know, I don't run, I haven't run, I've run brand ads uh, in the last 12 months. So some Instagram swipe ups on educational pieces, like taking you to podcasts or taking you to things, uh, no direct response. So no lead ads. And what I've seen is great results in terms of, I guess, content marketing or brand marketing over a longer time frame, which has allowed me to uh, kind of streamline the sales process for the APA program. Um, I've spoken to a, quite a few people recently, and I think this is where we can get specific on value, where they're in the first 12 months of the program. This is more just in passing conversation. And I'll be like, hey, how, well, how's everything going? Because I'm always interested in business, especially small business. It's a bit of like a battlefield when you start. And they'll say, look, yeah, I just ran some ads or I'm running some ads uh, to try to, you know, get my product out or get my service out or whatever. And I've been like, great, how did it go? And just flat. Mm -hmm. And I know there's a lot of variables. We've got different types of creative and copy and, and all sorts of stuff. But when the business is small, say someone who's listening, they're starting out and you're seeing maybe this shift uh, similar to what I'm seeing, what would you recommend to them if it's not go for, you know, one that old school way is like just pump some ads, try to get some leads across the line. What's some other ways they could go maybe first unpaid. So your first sort of step, maybe they're making, you know, they're turning over under, let's say 10 K a month, something like that. Like they're, they're starting, they've got just organic and they want to do some start to get to work. And then maybe the first steps on if you did want to put some ad spend into it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think especially in the early stages, one thing that I'll kind of come back and re-answer that question in a second, but I think what happens as well, which a lot of people don't think about is like, if you're not consistently marketing across throughout the whole year and you have somewhat of a follower, uh, you know, you've got followers and that is, it will always subconsciously come off as desperate if you hear nothing and then straight out of the gates, March or something, it's like buy my stuff, buy my stuff. 
Mm. You know, and that's why I think good marketers and good businesses and stuff will be consistently pushing stuff out throughout the whole year. There's a great example here in Cronulla. I'm seeing a gym that, you know, ran an offer in January and was like, pay $1 a day up to like the 30th, which would be $30 for the month. And then the February marketing is $0 for the month, right? And so for me, that's what I see just screams out like desperation. Um, whereas they could have been marketing throughout the whole year and then dropped an offer in January. And it's like, hey, here's this thing. But it's like, I haven't heard from them in six months. Mm. Here's an offer, but really it's for you, which is bullshit. It's for them. Mm. Um, probably had a you know terrible Christmas season. Um, but going back to, you know, if I was to advise someone on the early stages, it would be really about, you know, create, because the thing is channels will always change, um, but marketing will always kind of stay the same, you know, it's a people buy, um, what is it? People buy emotionally and then justify rationally. So I think starting off with that emotion, like who do you want to be? What's your brand kind of voice? Um, you know, is it humor? Is it empathy? kind of creating as much as that as possible and just kind of creating a routine out of that um, so that you just don't come straight out of the gates going hardcore by myself because it just doesn't work. You know, I've been in agencies and stuff like that where you sell people on a dream but know that it always tanks because it's just just too crowded. Um, and my other thing as well, which has been as cross-channel as you can, you know, test it. Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. For me, like my best insurance is getting yourself as, across as many platforms as possible at the moment. You know, we've had a lot of conversations about this, about, you know, other channels which I feel are going to blow up soon. Um, but from a small business perspective, I would start by, you know, just the, the simple Instagram, Facebook, stuck in, in flow and then, start realizing the things that probably pop a little bit more and then always use them as like a back catalog for what you want to put forward. Um, so that's how we kind of always tested a lot of stuff is like test it organically first and then see what the market wants, how they respond. And then, you know, that can kind of give you a bit of a gauge moving forward. It'd be like, okay, cool. Like that post or that thing that I said in that Facebook group, got this kind of response that's given me a bit of leverage now to, you know, double down and say, Hey, let's put that out there across paid. Yeah. Okay. So a couple of things I want to circle back to firstly, I want to reframe or retouch on three things that you covered. One was firstly be consistent. So if you're listening and you're, I would say even if you haven't started trading, like I would almost go back to like, if you were just interested in something and you think you might trade in it, you want to start being consistent. So what I mean by that is like, you know, Jane mentioned, if you just start all of a sudden in December going, Hey, like check out my stuff. This is something I'm doing, but you've been quiet all year you're kind of lacking that engagement. You're lacking that trust. You're lacking this kind of more organic following and it comes across a bit shifty. Uh, if you're thinking about going into something or you're, you know, you're, you're sure in the next year or couple or two years or whatever, you're going to move into a different area or work on something else. There's no reason why you can't, can't start a conversation across some of these platforms 
early and connect with some other people who may be in that niche and start to, you know, build a little bit of relationship. So the consistency was the big one I circled. Um, do you have any specifics? Like, cause if I, like I just tell, tell, I, I kind of talk about this concept of layering it up, but like how, how frequently on the day to day, like, is it going to change per platform? Is there anything you'd say on that? Um, I don't think there's any kind of blanket rule across it and depends where you're at in your business. Um, just one thing that you said before, and this is some really good advice that, um, a woman named Greta who used to be an advisor at one of the startups I worked with, um, would speak about a lot. She would always say like, build the audience first and then sell the product. Yeah. Um, so she's made a couple of multi-million dollar businesses and that's how she would do it. And I kind of follow how she does it at the moment. It's really cool. So it's like, yeah, even if you are a year or two away, like build your audience first, like don't take, just give, 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 um, because that kind of collateral will get you so much further. Um, audience building is one of the most important things right now. Um, going back to consistency, I don't think there's a, there's a right answer for that, but what there is, and I'm sure you've probably heard the back end of, of this, um, this conversation before is like making sure that you're playing in and out of different emotional Mm. um states because what you can find is a lot of people will either play in like the hero land or the vulnerable land yeah um and what i mean by this is like you know those people who are like you know let's say for an example um you know your business right you can sit there all day and just parade and be like hey he's my awesome client this, you know, this, 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 it'll get to a point where like after the second or third time you post about one of your client successes, I just get like zoomed out from it. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, I'm like, Oh yeah, it's John playing the hero again. Right. In comparison to, you know, if you put up a post or something that's like a little bit more vulnerable, a little bit more like, Hey, guess what? Getting leads is a lot higher than what it was two years ago. You're playing into your own vulnerability, which would make me stop. Yeah. But then if you continued in that path, I'd be like, Oh, here it is again. So that card, yeah. Yeah, it's about like bouncing up and down, um, you know, understanding how different people react to different things, not getting stuck in one lane. Um, I know a lot of people will, you know, continually try and push out the same message, which over time, you know, you'll lose that as well. So I think it's you know, just finding finding different angles, finding different personality traits within yourself, humor, vulnerability. Um, short form, long form, like it, it's all a test, right? Yeah, but I think the I, I like more that, that you, yeah, the more that you can widen it out. Like even if you you shit house in front of the camera, it's worth a crack rather than you know if you're just copying images, putting them on Instagram, writing a cool quote you know, that dies out as well. You'd rather see, you know, having a crack on all different angles. Yeah, yeah. I think um, the next one that. I circled that you mentioned was for them creating for them, creating for the audience. It's not, you mentioned in terms of a campaign, like if you just come out of the gates and say, Hey, buy my retreat or Hey, I'm doing a workshop. And it's really obvious that it's a take mentality. So you're trying to get clients, you're trying to create something for you. And for them would be what I call like, um, you know, you mentioned for them, I, I would kind of frame it as like from generosity or, you know, generous act as well. It's like, it's like, there's no trade. There's no chance you're going to get any money from what it is that you're creating. It's simply, 
it, it almost becomes, uh, it's hard to almost explain, but it almost becomes something that you're just sharing for, for them, for the benefit of the audience, requiring us to try to really listen, try to really cultivate some empathy, not get frustrated when something doesn't, when something bombs and go, hey, that didn't perform well. Let's step into the issues and try to understand why not and see how mm. we can frame things up for them. I really like that. Is there anything you'd expand on that um, based no. off of the landscape today, like what you see? Well, I think, you know, going back to what we just spoke about then, and I, I really believe this, and I'm sure you probably had to do a couple of these in your time working with us, is like I think marketing is also very energetic. And so it's like if you don't like what you're putting out, the market won't put it out. Mm. You know, the amount of times that, you know, person X in Newcastle and person X in Sydney could be running the same campaign, but the person's like, fuck, I don't want to put out this ad. Like, this isn't me. This isn't my thing. Two same ads, two same copy, two same targeting. One tanks, the other one doesn't. Like, I think there's always that kind of like, if you don't feel good about your marketing, the market won't as well. Yeah. And so that's what I feel when I see these kind of ads from people who aren't consistent. It's like they probably don't want to be out in front of their, you know, clients, friends, family doing a heavy discount. That's what they've got to do. And energetically, that's probably not even going to get you many leads because you can feel the kind of the tension within the marketing mm. compared to, you know, where you're at at the moment. What you do is like an abundance from a good place. No, I, don't, I don't see yourself and be like, oh, this is energetically, you know, going for it. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I think I was trying to frame up that difference in feeling because when I was at, when I very first started and got on Instagram and back in the gym days, we would put an ask. I would put an ask on like every second post. I just didn't understand. The ask might have just been check out our website or check. It was some form of friction though. I was like, here's a post, like check out something else. And I was just so enamored with this platform and the side and the pictures and stuff, the visuals that I kind of forgot the human element of it. Yeah. And what it did is it actually, when I realized what was going on, it kind of scarred me from that ask for a while. And it kind of made it hard mm -hmm. to really ask for the sale or to put that little bit. And I was just like, Oh, okay, well then I'll just put content. And it's been interesting because I was trying to frame it up recently where, cause I've obviously people are joining in. Like I like to be transparent, provide value. Like people are joining APA now, literally this mm -hmm. week, last week. And it's been really cool because the calls have been like, Hey, so, you know, we've connected a few times the last couple of months, this program starting in um, three weeks. Um, you know, of course I'm going to be biased. I'm on this side of it, but I think it could be some really cool value. We could really get some cool stuff from this any interest you want to chat about it or whatever, but effectively the ask has just been gotten a lot easier as you know, the, the shift towards higher volume on the, I guess what you're calling, you know, the marketing for them. You know what I mean? I don't know if yeah. that makes sense to you. No, it does. It makes perfect sense. I think like you can wrap that all around like the word trust. Yeah. You get trust from the stuff. It's like value, also, you know, bonding. I think that's why, like, I really get around marketing stuff 
that's got real humor in it now. Doesn't yeah. matter what the brand is. Like that's my kind of trust. I'm like, oh, if these guys do a funny ad, which doesn't kind of come off as a wanky thing, I always feel like that gives really good brand trust for me. Yeah. Whether it's like subconsciously thinking about the people behind that who are creating the campaigns and stuff. Whereas like the flip side is it can really deter me off a brand if someone tries to be humorous when it's not that kind of brand. Yeah. I think like a great example that I could think of was like firstly the beer company for a while were really going hard trying to be like the Petuta advocate. And I would see all these billboards and stuff around like totally mark. And it's funny how those kind of things can really like tarnish a brand view from you because it's probably not coming from a real place. Mm. It's coming from like a copy land of let's try and fit ourselves into this box, even though that's probably not the angle that suited them. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I would have to say though, before I go to the last point that I circled, I think you, I think as you know, from what I can see as the, that sort of educational value seems to be really getting saturated. Yep. Um, anyone who you can follow will tell you what to do. <laughs> you mm. know what I mean? And it's, it's like, it was really cool because it wasn't abundant. Now it's like everyone's, it's like the teacher archetype is blown up yep. across every platform. And I think what's cool about the entertainment value. Um, and I was just having a conversation earlier today with Cody, who I'm doing some, some media work with. And it was like the entertainment value is draw, it's built on creativity. So it's infinite. And mm-hmm. you can also flip the whole thing and make fun of yourself as well. And you can bring to light the shit that's not working, things that bomb behind the scenes, like, or it can be a specific entertainment piece. So there's basically infinite places to go and it's almost tireless and it's going to, to lighten up the platform as well. It's a really cool one to bring in and, to be honest, not my strong suit, but something I really love and really enjoy the idea of and enjoy exploring. Yeah. Yeah, man, I totally agree. I think create, if you're looking like systematically at how the platforms want to play out over the next couple of years, creativity is going to be the number one thing that's going to get people success. Mm. You know, Facebook, Instagram, these things, they want to look good. Like they want people to stay on and look good. So yeah, creativity in whatever sense that means for you and your business, I think is where I would be putting a lot of my thought rather than, you know, a lot of other things that you could be thinking about in your marketing sense, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, the last one, I'm going to make a note on that because I want to come back, but the last one I circled was this concept of cross-platforms and testing, mm-hmm. which I really love. I kind of have a slogan, uh, always be testing. As soon as something works, like be ready to break it and test something else because it seems to just things, you know what I mean? It becomes a groove and then everyone's doing it or whatever. Um, so just to, do you want to go any deeper on that? Like, you know, if someone's, cause this is how it plays out typically. Uh, I want to do this new job. I'm doing something else at the moment. I'm going to open an Instagram account because that's what everyone's still on. Um, and I'm going to start posting and I'm going to share the thing. And that's pretty much, that, that would be probably a typical starting point. It's really good. It's great to start communicating by all means. Uh, you've got one platform, you've got one kind of type of post, one type, sort of way of doing things. How could you, what would you do there? How could you blow the sides off that a little bit? What do you mean by cross-platform? Um, 
how could someone approach that if they're not used to it or they don't really know what's going on? Yeah, I think I think it comes in different like angles of where you're at in business. I, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world if you're you don't have a business yet, just starting off on something like the Insta yep. or whatnot, just kind of start getting the ball rolling. But for me, it's like when you start thinking about your business and like clients and you know services, whatever you kind of do, it's always that mentality of where's my next cheapest lead going to come from, and like where's my next client going to come from. And that comes from like a platform perspective because even though, you know, people listening to this right now could still be absolutely killing it on Facebook and thinking like this guy's, you know, shut the fuck up kind of thing. But yes, but also could you be killing it more on Instagram? Could you be killing it more in display ads? You know what I mean? Like if you get stuck in this one thing, you're not really knowing like where's my next, you know, which platform is going to bring me my next client. Mm. Um, and for me, like conversations I've had with you, someone who puts out a lot of video content, I'm a big believer in things like YouTube and stuff. Um, it's going to be a slow burn obviously, but putting yourself across other areas, you know, someone, um, it's funny how we spoke about this other day. Like I have Facebook, but I'm not a user of Facebook, Yeah, you know, and I feel like a lot of people are kind of, um, getting into that state now will be there as like a bit of a notification thing if something pops up, but I'm not an active scroller or user of it. Mm-hmm. Um, how many more people are doing that? I'd say a lot. Where are they actually going to for their platforms now? And someone like me, who's definitely not the majority, is like I spend a lot of time on YouTube now. Yeah. Just for, if you're listening, just for context, I've chatted with Jaden recently and one of the things that I'm focusing on to hopefully bring some value here is uh, even going harder on content. So creating specific value and entertaining work. And it's a challenge, right? So last year was a, a big jump up where I started to understand the concept of distribution. I started to look into different ways of creating and bringing the creativity bar up and that's what I'm focusing on still today. And I'm loving that process and it it is working. Uh, And then the next step is to level up. And one of the things that Jaden has mentioned, I've heard this from other people literally who have asked me directly is, Oh, are you on YouTube? And I've just had to say no, because I haven't published anything for me. There's, um, there's not a a fear around that. It's literally just, uh, I'm not a heavy user myself. However, I'm going to, I think that is the next step. I really resonate with what you're saying. Uh, I haven't used Facebook for probably 18 months or two years. I've had newsfeed eradicator on there and have literally used the page and messenger. And I know that's not necessarily the best thing at all. Uh, you need to be a practitioner if you want to get results on the platform so I don't blame Facebook for not getting results on it. Uh, I think it could work really well. Having said that, I definitely resonate with that shift. And I think YouTube, as you've mentioned, could be a really cool place to do it. It's private. It's, um, it, you can go live on it. You can upload really high def stuff on there and get a widescreen experience at home. Uh, a lot of people are hooking it up to the TV as well. It's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, and I think it's also the people who are on it are on it for a specific reasons for to digest yeah you know so you know you don't go onto youtube and sit there with it muted on a train right yeah. um 
you know, these are the kind of things that I think about a lot is, you know, and that's why I really believe in it for the future is, yeah, everyone that's on YouTube is in there to consume. Um, and so, like, long-form content like this and stuff, it's a great place for it to sit. Yeah. You know, I think that even builds, like, talking about trust building, you know, there's a couple of people now that even, like, in the health space that I follow over in the US and stuff who are just, like, pumping it on YouTube. And I know that if I was in that buying mentality, I would buy stuff off them just based on what I'm seeing there because, you know, every week I'll get tracked into like their Monday thing that they upload. Yeah. And be like every time that they do it. And it's like that kind of cool consistency of knowing that like on this day, this video will be there. Yeah. And that wraps me in a lot more than a sporadic Instagram post that might hit me at 10 o'clock when I'm in bed. Uh, Okay, cool. I want to go deeper on two things. One is consistency because you just hit it there. I think, I think this is critical. I think a lot of people don't understand the importance of certainty for us humans. Mm-hmm. Certainty that we have a roof over our head, that there's a paycheck coming in, that our friends aren't going to ghost us, that we can have food on the table, that the post is going to come out at 10 a.m or that it's going to come out the next day. So the flip of it is we understand, like if you really think about this, like I, we can say we love adventure. We can say we love all of these different things, but one thing we really love is certainty. Mm -hmm. It makes us feel safe at a deep human level. And I think people might underestimate in their business or in their content creation, what, how powerful that can be if your thing is hitting every single day or five days a week or whatever you once a week, whatever you set up the difference in say you have the same frequency, but it's patchy two, 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 and then one then zero, then one. So it's the same frequency across a month. Um, I'm a huge believer. Is there anything you'd add on that on the, on the consistency side of things? Probably nothing I would add on top of it, but maybe like a more of a story of where this actually happened to me in real life was it's on the back end of last year. It was, it, was it was when Joe Rogan went on a European holiday and I didn't know. And so he stopped podcasting for like three weeks. Yeah. And so like here I was this consistent person that, you know, I listen, I listen to podcasts every night. It's like my white noise when I go to sleep, right? And like seeing him not do it, kind of got me onto other people and stuff and I've never really gone back. Yeah, right. So it's really interesting to see how like a consistency and maybe like a, a home base for me of like, you know, every couple of nights, you know, as I'm sleeping, listening to a Rogan podcast, lost that three weeks, tuned into other stuff and never really went back. So I think that's kind of a great example of like yeah. how consistency and stuff can lose people it happens like podcasts is a great example, like the amount of, you know, small businesses and who do a podcast and then, you know, realize that they're pretty fucking hard after a while. Yeah. And then we'll go on hiatus for three months and then come back with like a huge, you know, chest beating post being like, we're back live. It's like <laughs> sweet. Like yeah, we've yeah. got two people That's that are going to listen to Yeah. Yeah. Or they they come back for the third time or whatever. And soon it starts to lose. It's like the boy who cried wolf. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it is hard. I I don't downplay the difficulty. It's hard. And that's the choice that you need to make. You know, you don't need to do these things, but the opportunity I think lies in the creativity, in the innovation, in the value and in the consistency is just kind of part of the whole package. Yep. Um, I want to talk about the 
algorithms quickly. You mentioned earlier, algorithms change. Um, I secretly love algorithms and I'll maybe explain why I'd love for you to flesh out, uh, obviously, you know, on the Facebook ad side of things, like you're at mercy to the price of ads and to that whole landscape, but whatever the word algorithm pops up for you, because a lot of people will say organic reaches dead or blah, 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 blah. And talk mm-hmm. about the algorithm. I think, I think you probably would have more practitionership experience in the space of time that you've been a user and a producer and creator and executor on these. What comes up for you? Anything that you could help us with um, as listeners? Yeah, it's a tough one because it's a bit of a double-edged sword because I feel like it's getting so kind of tricky and day by day now that they really, if you try and go out on your own and do it, you've kind of got no hope. Mm. You know, I, I have a lot of people that will reach out to me and be like, oh, hey, I've got a mate who, you know, needs it to help send up Facebook ads. I'm like, I can't do it. Like, it needs to be something that needs to consistently be monitored because things move so fast that what I tell you now could change in two weeks, right? Um, and that's the kind of scary thing about it. And what I see is like, A, yes, like everyone's still fighting for that same real estate, which jacks the prices up. Um, the amount of kind of things that you can or can't say, you know, like even now getting a photo of a woman wearing like just a little bit of a cut there will get you done for cleavage. Mm-hmm. But there's just so many variables in it at the moment, which like I'm not, I'm not the biggest basher on it. Like I still believe there's a lot of room for people to go and, you know, make some money out of it. But I just feel like, there's better platforms and there's better areas for you to be going because if you are a small business, like it's just it's a lot for you to try and get a return on, on direct response. Yeah. Um, you know, going from, you know, I was working with someone that was selling real estate um, two years ago, they could get a ticket to their workshop for like $15. Now it's $60 and that's what they're okay with because they've gone through like the J curve of it and realize that $60 per lead to get a bum on a seat is what they're willing to pay because that's a a reasonable result in terms of their marketing compared to where it was a couple of years ago where like $15 would be high. And so they're the kind of things that you need to think about. Like if you're going to go straight to a marketing agency and be like, oh, hey, I've got a gym or this or this, I want to hire a marketing agency. It's one thing that I would always have thoughts about like what's your intention do you know how much it's going to cost you and what's an actual real real return yeah yeah so okay so Jaden's just be and jump in if i'm um just jump in if i get this wrong i just want to keep make sure we stay simple as well so in terms of this concept of algorithm from what i can pick up here Jaden's talking about um effectively when you when we go back to that way of running say an ad on Facebook and looking for a click through to get to your website or workshop or whatever. The way that the ads run is this complex beast that's to do with obviously everything that's getting uploaded, how it's getting consumed. And then there's a bunch of rules too. So it might be how much text you can put on image. It might be what type of image, all of these things. So there's kind of like this paid advertising algorithm that's always shifting. And so what, what it means is if you're a user, 
you need to stay on top of an ever-changing landscape because before you know it, as, as he mentioned before, the whole thing can flip on you. Is that kind of what you're referring to? Yeah, exactly. And I think like the overarching thing that we keep going back to with this in terms of like to keep yourself ahead of the algorithm is just creativity. Like yeah. that, like that's exactly where they want you to go with it. Um, you know, there's so much happening in the back end where they're trying to do the work for you in terms of like automation and stuff like that. But I would say like to always keep yourself even half a step in front of everything that goes behind closed doors that you will probably never be able to keep up with. It's like be engaging, have good images, have good videos, have some kind of, you know, relatable, real humanizing kind of marketing that can help you try and beat and, you know, make those small wins when things go south. Yeah. And I, I want to just add in, like, I think on the organic side, so if people are just using these platforms and we're seeing this in the design community, I interviewed a guy uh, and I don't know if you've seen these designers who are blowing up the carousels yeah, yeah, yeah. on Instagram and LinkedIn. Like what they basically did is took the platform, recognized that the platform's giving them 10 slides on a carousel post. So they decided to start delivering educational content with super engaging visuals across 10 mm. slides. So it means you scroll and your time on screen for that post is like five minutes and you're getting education and you're entertained. So effectively what happened was the organic engagement of these types of posts went through the roof. And so when we zoom out, what we're actually seeing is, and so when the engagement goes up, the stuff starts to get pushed out into um, more, more reach, more eyes on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I guess we're coming to something which I think is really cool is that the algorithm, people love to bash it because their thing isn't getting much reach or likes or whatever they want to look at as the metric. But really what's happening is it's forcing innovation. And when you create something organically that's engaging and you engage back with what happens, the algorithm's working, it's helping you. The algorithm skews the good stuff to outperform. And then when you put something up there that's not creative, that doesn't add value, that doesn't have entertainment value, it's flat. And then we want to start to like pay, put paid ads behind it or try to boost it when realistically sometimes it can be looking at some ways to innovate and the algorithm actually can work quite well in your favor. Yeah, man. I agree. Super interesting. So, okay. Uh, what else did I want to cover? I think, I mean, that's, pro oh, just quickly, I know we're probably, I don't know where our time is, but when did we start? You good for time or? Yeah, man. I'm sorry. Okay. I want to ask you some questions on, on that innovation versus uh, advertising effectively what we're trying to do is to take some sort of experience or form of communication and get more people to see it. Mm -hmm. And we can, uh, we can create something that's, you know, pretty good and put some money behind it and get more people to see it. We could use an influencer, they could share it and we could get more people to see it. Um, I'm interested. We spoke quickly a little while ago about, you know, guerrilla marketing, innovating, doing something, you know, you've touched on creativity here. Maybe this could be a cool place to go to kind of wrap it up as like, 
thinking thinking differently, not following the herd, like this whole concept of like, you know, every the platforms are begging for you to innovate, like the market we're begging for mm-hmm. innovation. Is there anything that you've seen in your experience that's blown your mind or some examples, case studies or things you could help us with to get our heads around that concept? Yeah, there's some at the macro level, um, you know, for bigger businesses like skewing away from influencers that are just basically like the ass models, um, you know, plugging your product to going to, you know, uh, one that's kind of re- really trending at the moment are these two guys called the Inspired Unemployed. I've seen them. They're, yeah. just, they're, they're hilarious. Yeah. And the thing is they're just like a couple of 20, probably five-year-old blokes from Kayama who just put out really like slapstick Aussie humour, funny stuff. Like yeah. they, they've, you know, I followed their journey when they were about 10K followers. Um, they're probably in a couple of hundred thousand now and I've never seen a negative comment on their posts ever. Because it's just so funny the stuff that they do, and now they're in that kind of point where you're seeing it them kind of be like, "Oh, this is a business now," and doing brand deals with things like Magnum, um, Ko Sports, and all that kind of stuff. Where even though that is an ad, they'll put it up on their page, and people are like, "I know this is an ad, but this is still the greatest thing ever," you know. And I think that's a good kind of thinking outside of the box, and where you could probably bring that into a micro level. In terms of small businesses, it's like, you know, what can you do in and around where you live that kind of, you know, whether that's JVs and stuff like that, that will always kind of put you there. Because I think, yeah. Joint ventures. Yeah, joint ventures. You know, gyms that we were working with, like I think things that always did well was like hooking up with cafes, you know, doing some things like that that just kind of subconsciously puts your marketing out there and also borrows trust from other people. Um, I think that's a really good thing. You know, who do you know in your circle that can help you promote your brand? So it's a very, like, indirect rather than it always coming from you, like, push, push, push. Yeah, okay, I love that. So effectively, you know, and we've spoken about this, one of the projects that I'm doing this year uh, that I'll be able to share more of on a, on a future episode, but is basically a big offline event yep. in trying to use social media as a distribution tool for the people who come. So when you design, say, a get-together, an event, you could hold a dinner party with you know 10 of your best members if you're a gym, something like that, get them together, have a remarkable dessert, and someone there to play the salsa or something like that, the whole thing might cost you 1500 or whatever to have someone private chef the whole thing. And these 10 people might get, or eight people or whatever, might get a remarkable experience. Something funny happens. There's some social. So they are able to distribute the experience via their own channels. Yep. If they have a decent audience or even small audiences, when you start to add up eight people, you're starting to get significant reach. They remember it. You got client retention and you probably would have spent $1,500 running a simple ad anyway to try to get some leads from people you didn't know. And I think what you inspired me to start to think about with that, that term you mentioned a couple of times ago, Gorilla Market is like, how can we, how can we go harder on the, the counter, you know, the zag, the different 
the different way of thinking and still use social, still use these things to amplify. Yeah. Cause I, I believe that like so many people now have just got so complacent on like the only way that we can do marketing these days is through social channels. Mm. And so there's a whole other world out there that people aren't tapping into because they're like, so investing that offline, you know, consumer related content, all these other channels that people are kind of pushing away because it's like, Oh, I know that if I can put X amount in this and get that, then that's, you know, okay. And that's fair. Yeah. Whereas like gorilla, you know, things like, I think good examples to follow like the big guys like koalas and stuff like that. Like they'll always kind of be the best in class for, you know, being multi-channel of course, but also, everyone probably knows a, you know, koala campaign that has stuck with them. Yeah. Yeah. But like who knows a, a cold sleep thing that stuck with them, you know, two people selling this exact same product. Um, why is one, you know, turning over a hundred million a year and the other's not right. Yeah. And particularly, so, I think particularly what I like about it is you could have a $0 spend. Mm-hmm. So you could have no, no budget. And I think this is a cool place to end up on with this conversation because we're back to a human level. If you've got no spend, you could borrow a friend's camera. You could have zero social following. You could convince your other mate, Larry, who's like a, a musician and a busker or something like that to do a street performance and you hold up some funny signs and something catches an eye. Maybe it doesn't work, exactly. but maybe it does. It costed you nothing. You film it. Uh, maybe there's something remarkable in there and it gets spread. You know, I saw um, Gary V put up the dude with the sign parody when he popped yep. that post and I, I saw it. And the, I saw it like a couple hours after it went up and I said to someone, I was like, this is going to, this is going to be, this is going to blow up because the cultural relevance was so rich mm. and it did. It was as it turned into his best posts on that platform, I think ever. And you, that's free, you know, yeah. that's free. you can do that. I can do that. And I think this is a cool place to, to come back to, um, I think what it also does, John, like from what you said then with like the busking, doing that kind of thing, it's like going about what we spoke about very early on on this podcast is if that's who you are, if you're a bit of a larrikin and, you know, you can put yourself out there like that, then it's a good energetic marketing campaign that you're doing, right? Yeah. I'm sure you would, even if it flops, have a lot more fun and more intent in that than sitting there trying to write a, you know, fancy Facebook ad on something that you probably think is going to tank. Yeah. Yeah. I think we just uh, probably as the channel would be like, as a business owner, you start a business, someone says you need to do social media. Okay. You do that. Someone's like, you need to do some digital advertising or something. And people are like, okay. Yeah. So they go find an agency and spend some money. And then they sort of fight with the maths on it and try to figure out what's going. Yeah. I get it. Sometimes it really works. And I think that what you were saying is like, and like, let's not forget, you know, let's, let's, let's innovate, let's get creative, um, be the celebrity in your town, what's going on in your town. You know, that's remarkable. How can you piggyback off of some awareness already? Um, that's free. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Sick. 
anything else you want to add, man? Like I could, I could chat to you for ages cause I know you've got such a wealth of experience uh, and not just theoretical stuff, but is there anything that pops to mind or um, you know, that you see people doing or, you know, stuff like that? I just think start testing other platforms, like all of them. Yeah. Um, that's, that's my big thing. That's why I tell a lot of people now is like build the audience. I think that's the big thing. I heard, Pinterest, I, heard, I heard the average, um, I heard the average age for new pin, new Pinterest, uh, accounts. I, I sorry. It's 40% male average demographic. The split. Yeah. Pinterest works well. Um, yeah. I've done a bit of work with Pinterest and Pinterest works well. Um, yeah, it's a, super depending on what you're selling. Yeah. I think also the other thing that like kind of counterintuitive what this whole podcast is kind of being about is like, we aren't bashing and going away from direct response. It will always play its part as well, but I just don't think it's at the scale, like bottom of funnel isn't at scale as where it should be, like where it used to be. Where it used to be. Yeah. Yeah. So it would be like, you know, the, the purpose of this isn't to go like, I'll just go out there and just become a content crazy person Mm. and never ask, but you need to flip it now in a way to be like, how can I use creativity, you know, awareness and stuff to kind of bring up my brand myself rather than sitting there and being like, Oh, well, you know, a year or two ago I heard about my friend who could put up this Facebook ad and get X amount of people. And then they got X amount of clients. Like yeah. that's, that's a long gone thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I also like the, I like this long game concept in, in everything, you know, training, whatever. And I think when you start to flip the other way, maybe you're doing direct response ads as well. That's cool. And you start yeah. to build brand and reputation through whether it's content or experiences or whatever else you're doing to build that awareness. Five years later, regardless of what happens on the direct response side, depending on the platform you still built brand so you still built audience offline and online as well it's a little bit yeah. of a risk risk mitigator slash lever for the sale as well like it's it is no downside to it yeah well it's just insurance on your business right yeah yeah and fun too i think yeah exactly like if you you know everyone needs to market like no business cannot really market um so if you're gonna you're gonna do it you may as well make it fun you may as well push it a little bit and like completely fail on like a busking kind of thing with your mates, then sit there and play it safe all the time and be like, Oh, is another, you know, high quality sameness. And there's a thing that we spoke about a lot at Alchemy is like, and that's kind of where a lot of gym marketing would break is like a lot of people would steal each other's ads and then you'd have everyone fighting for the same space in Newcastle with high quality sameness, meaning like the Facebook ads were still looking good. Copy was good, but it was all the same. Mm. I think that's where people get blocked in a lot. So, you know, expanding your own kind of pushing yourself out there to be like, what's something that I can do that's not the exact same thing as, you know, the dentist or the physio or the gym down the road. Yeah. Because I, I think it. like having that, having like a set of nuts on you to go out and try something different, even if it flops, it's different. And there's probably a high chance that the thing that you're copying maybe isn't working anyway. Yeah. And I would always, you know, my personality type and how I would advise people is like, I would always 
push them into that direction, then like, oh, let's, you know, consistently play it safe and, you know, sound rather than let's, let's go for that. Because if it hits, it hits. If it doesn't, what, you know, what have we got to lose really? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I guess on parting, would you have any resources, references, like you've got so much experience in the trenches that I think, you know, you can't probably pick up a book and replace some of the insights that you've got. However, is there anywhere that you would direct people or people who you look up to that the listener could kind of hit if they were more interested in fleshing out some of these thoughts Mm. or even people you follow who are doing well or, you know, stuff that you like or people leading in the space? Yeah, a really good book. And I I meant to reread this. It's something I read a couple of years ago. There's a book called The Origin of Brands. Mm -hmm. And it's like the the front label's a Coca-Cola sign. That's a really good book. But I think like one thing that I've been doing a lot more is if I see, and really interesting because it happened to me last week, I saw this TV commercial for this bank called Zinja. And then I went and followed their social media and their Instagram's awesome. And now I'm a customer. So I think like if you're seeing something that you like, track them, follow them, like what are they doing? Rather than I don't really have anyone at the moment that I look up to as a person that generates, you know, I don't have a person that gives me inspiration at the moment. Mm-hmm. There's not one person I'm doing. It's more brands and it's more following like guys like the Inspired Unemployed, um, all of those kind of things that are the kind of people that I think are making big scenes and yeah. people and stuff that brands want to work with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think like whenever you see something like that, track it and follow it and be like, okay, why is it that that's working and giving me this kind of emotional response and how can I bring that into my marketing? Yeah. And I think it's, you know, there's so many startups and so many businesses kind of following these trends now. It's really cool to look at them and be like, oh, I can see why they do well and I respond well to them like a fucking bank. Like how, how is, how are we talking about a bank? Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm like, why is that? It's because I've created this cool brand. They do kind of guerrilla kind of stuff and, you know, it's kind of intrigued me enough to go deeper and follow them hard and be, you know, already a loyal kind of customer because of the experience and the way that I've seen them from the outside in. Yeah, now you're telling me about it too, right? Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Okay, so just to wrap up, I think there were three key points Jaden mentioned early on. We're talking, we covered um, this concept of direct response advertising. We covered this conversation of marketing in general, and then we kind of shifted moving in towards um, more brand marketing, content marketing, and fleshed out the differences. Jaden mentioned three really cool things, I think. One was consistency. One was um, creating for the audience. So if your stuff smells like it's for you to try to get a sale, how's it going to make them feel versus if it's from generosity, what's that going to feel like, you know, whether it's entertaining or educational cross platforms, Jaden's got me hyped to try to get to, I'm not going to say try to get onto YouTube and to execute on YouTube in a way that's more powerful So whether that's for you, YouTube, Facebook, whatever blog, whatever platform you like, um, try different things. I'll probably check out Pinterest for this new project that I'm doing with Cody 
just to try, just to see, because no one's going there like that I know. So what, what does that mean? Um, yeah. And then the resource you mentioned was a book by Al Reese and Laura Reese called The Origin of Brands. They also yeah, write, the um, yeah, actually it's right here on my desk. And another book, I think they wrote Positioning is uh, Al yeah. Reese and, and Jack Trout. So one of yeah. the two wrote Positioning as well. And then the final tip mm -hmm. was to watch like a marketer, watch things that you're engaging in and go feel the emotional response and go, why did I get that? How do they evoke that response? Why am I intrigued? Then if you're on Instagram or whatever, save the post, screenshot it. Uh, I probably have a hundred different screenshots of little bits of creative that I've really liked. And then copy, steal, integrate, innovate, blend stuff into your own, see what happens and try to understand the emotional drivers behind it, which is kind of the big thing here. Right? Yeah, man. One thing that I would add to that, um, you know, following screenshots and stuff you like, I think it's probably even more powerful to do it on the opposite end as well. Like stuff you don't like? Screenshot things you don't like. You'd be like, why do you not like that? Okay, that's not what I'm going to be like in my marketing. It's a good thing to kind of get yourself into a habit for because then you'll start seeing patterns. You're like, oh, this is why shitty image, you know, trying to speak out of brand tone. You know, whatever it is, you'll start, you'll start realizing and be like, oh, where do I play that inside my business? Yeah. And it's kind of like a good checkup because, yeah, you know, you can find a million things that you like. Um, but I think when you find those things that you really are just like, oh, that one didn't sit well. It's like peeling back the layers to be like, why is that? And how can I avoid that if I'm putting out stuff? Yeah. Beautiful. Okay, man. Any final words? No, it was a good chat, man. Yeah, I really appreciate your time. Yeah, I think we should do another one that's completely non-business as well. Just a couple of the two and have the yin and the yang. <laughs> yeah, man. That'll be, that'll be a wild podcast. <laughs> yeah. Maybe once you get back. Yeah, man. Yeah. Okay, brother. Well, I'm going to hit stop on the record. If you listen, thanks so much for joining us. Um, this is episode 59. You, if you enjoyed it, if you are carving your own path, you're owning a business, you're starting a business, or you're just interested in getting your message out there and interested in this, this conversation around marketing, uh, then have it re-listen back, take some notes. I'll be doing the same thing. I'm always going back, always talking to Jaden, always trying to think of how to be more creative, how to innovate. It's very early. This is a lifelong journey. If you know someone else interested, best thing you can do is forward it to them. And of course, subscribe to the podcast is a huge help for me. And otherwise, thank you for tuning in. The work that we've done around the, the listening, the empathy, um, even pausing, you know, kind of all these elements, like they're invaluable. Um, and the fact that we get to practice them every day, it just means we keep getting better and we keep creating better relationships, better connections. Um, I truly believe this is the reason, you know, why our business is thriving because it's something that no one else is doing. If you're a business owner, practitioner, coach, or freelancer, you're looking to level up this year, you're looking to do great work, to be surrounded by smart, hardworking individuals who are on the same path, 
You might be interested in the Access Potential Academy program, the APA program. We're about to kick off the 2020 round in March. We're getting close to the deadline. We've got a great group lined up. If you're interested in finding out more about this program, send me a little email, john at johntmarsh.com. Let's connect. I'd love to find out more about what you're looking to create in 2020. And of course, beyond, because we're playing the long game here. Thank you so much for listening to the episode. I'll see you in the next one.